0: Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. Here we go. Hey, um, you know, I am Lane McDonald, I'm the youth director here, and if you've been coming to Legacy for a while, you understand that we have been, we've had some incredible sermon series here at the church. Am I right? You know, today, not especially today, but this month marks six months into the year, and I was going back and looking at some of the awesome services that we've had in the past six months. You know, we started off the year um, where Pastor Tony taught some messages on a theme of what if Jesus was serious? You know, like what if Jesus was serious about what he said? And so we went through that message and we were looking through what did Jesus say and how does that apply to our life today? And then we went into the next series called Focus, where we started to look at the vision for Legacy Church and the vision for really all of us in this room. And we started to unpack some of our values that we have here at the church. And it was incredible because it set kind of our trajectory going into this season, which I think is perfect. It's important for us to know a heading and a direction that we're going. And then after that, we went to the message of Prepare the Way. How many of you guys were here for the Prepare the Way series? You know, We were able to look at how God prepared a way for a Savior for us, and that we get to play a role in that. And that led us up to Easter. And then we were able to go right into the way of that Savior, the way of Jesus Christ which I was able to partake and and enjoy giving a message in that series. But it was really encouraging to see us as a community come together and really try to put into practice what it means to live out the way of Jesus. And then last, well, I guess two weeks ago, we closed out a series of Abide. Now, how many of you got something out of the series Abide in here? Good, good. I'm glad there's more than 10 of you. You know, there's, that's good. No, but we dove into abide and we were learning about what it means to abide with God and what it means for God to abide with us. And so today I get to preach a little bit of a one-off, which is, you know, sometimes you give the youth director a mic. It can be a little dangerous when you're saying, hey, I don't have a message, like series to put you in. So, But I'm trusting the Holy Spirit has really been working in my life on what it means to have God be the light of my own life. And so, um, unfortunately for you, you were not here on Wednesday for our Legacy Youth Night where I got to tease out a little bit of this light of mine. Um, But today I want to dive into um, a message called This Light of Mine. And I want us to, if you have your Bible, open up to 1 John. Not the First John you find in the New Testament, but First John. First John, and we're going to be right in the first chapter. Um, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 7. And I'm going to read it in two translations, because when I like to study the word, I love to kind of look at different translations and see what emphasis is brought out of different words. So this first one we're going to look at is the English Standard Version says this, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And I'm gonna read it again out of the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB version. Says this, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him if we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness we are lying and we are not practicing the truth if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of jesus his son cleanses us from all sin this is going to be our title you know verse that projects us into today's message. But let's pray together real quick before we dive into this message. God, thank you so much. Thank you for what you've already done in this church today. Thank you for filling the room with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you have planned for this church as we try to reach out to the community you have placed us into. Thank you for the generations that are represented in this church, generations that go back after decade after decade, and the future generations that are to come, that are seeking your face. So God, we thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for your Son. Thank you for giving us salvation. God, I pray that you just illuminate your words today. Let us be intrigued and perplexed and just build a hunger within us to seek your face. Let us just take in this message today. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so the message here today is called This Light of Mine, but how many of you heard the song This Little Light of Mine growing up? Okay, so This Little Light of Mine. Okay, there we go. I'm glad. And we'll get to the rest of that soon. I'll I'll finish out the verses. Don't worry. But I, the only problem I had with this song is that this little light of mine is talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about God. Now, if you know God, you know He is not little. So why are we putting Him in this category of being a little God, right? So I eliminated that from the message today this light of mine, we are talking about God. Just how John was saying that God is light, we are talking about our God, and he is not a little God. Now, how many of you guys love the ocean? Love the ocean. Okay, love the coast. So my wife and I and our baby, we got to go to the Oregon coast about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and it was incredible. You know, we got to take my daughter and let her play in the ocean for the first time and walk in the sand, get sand all over her face and fuss about. So it was awesome time, right? And I love that people are just drawn to the beach. People love water. Now, I grew up on the East Coast. It's cold water over there. I grew up in Connecticut, Massachusetts, New York. There's nobody swimming in that water. It is cold, it is icy, it's frigid. Nobody wants to be in it. However, we were over here on the Oregon coast, and one of our places that we love to hike, there's a short trail that follows. It's kind of close to Cannon Beach, and it's called the Devil's Cauldron. Okay, kind of intense, right? A little intense. Basically, it takes you down this trail and you start to overlook the ocean. And then you come over to a cliffside and you look down and there's an inlet inside of the cliff. And when you look down there, you see the waves swirling about. All these waves are crashing with so much force and momentum and they're just smacking against the side of the cliff walls. And you can see that logs will start to get swept in by the strong currents and they just splinter and shatter against the walls. And over to the side, um, it's a little heartbreaking, but there's a cross set up because earlier, about a year ago, somebody was out there taking photos and slipped and fell into this chasm. And within seconds was swept in and perished inside this vortex of water. And so I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm looking at the awe and the majesty of the waves and how it's all crashing in. And I'm also noticing like it's super dangerous. Like I'm glad there's a kind of a barrier, which my wife likes to ignore. She likes to go over and put her life on the edge. I don't like that. But she, we're looking over the edge and I'm like, wow, this is vast, this is crazy. There's so much power. Can you imagine coming here at night when you can't see any of this? It would be treacherous if you walked that path at night. And it reminded me growing up, one of my favorite, my mom's favorite things is to go and visit lighthouses on the East Coast. There's lighthouses all over the East Coast because like I said, we have crazy winters. We've got icy, frigid storms and, and waves that come crashing in. And the East Coast is notorious for having cliffs and rocks and then having fog that comes in. And so, What they did in the 18th century is they started planting these, not planting, well, I guess how we want to call it, but they started building these lighthouses along the shore so that these ships and tradesmen coming in with people and packages and stuff wouldn't get swept into the rocks. And so there are these beautiful, majestic houses with towers and the light just pierces into the fog and out into the water. And so it saved countless lives because these lighthouses were placed there. And I'm reminded again that John refers to our God as light. See, these houses would just be houses if it weren't for light, There's, there's nothing special about the house except that it has a tower, but if you don't put light into that lighthouse, it's good for nothing. And so how can we, as believers, talk about our God if we don't understand that He is light? He is power. He is a source. And I love the fact that John, when he's writing this, he's looking throughout creation. I can picture him looking throughout creation, trying to figure out, how can I describe our creator? And so the only thing that we can do as humans is we have to look at created things to view our creator in them. And so he looks through all all these things. He's looking at animals. He's looking at plants. He's seeing all these things. And he comes to the conclusion that the closest thing that he could resemble God to would be light. See, the absence of darkness is light. And if we look back at 1 John, he is saying that God is light, and in him there is no darkness. This is our God. There is absolutely no darkness within him. If there was, he would not be God. And I love this depiction of God as light, as powerful, as majestic, because when we look at light, even in our earthly terms, if you were to take a telescope and look at the sun, which I hear you shouldn't do, but if you did, even the closest thing we have to resemble God has dark spots on it has black holes within these light. Like there's still imperfections in the closest thing that us as created beings have to resemble our creator. So it shows us that we, the church believers, we have a God that literally nothing compares to. Nothing compares to the splendor and the majesty and the goodness and the holy and righteousness of our God. So when I'm looking at scripture, and I'm looking at what God is, if he is resembled as light and love and truth, then it has to be holy. It has to be pure. And there's nothing that we can do to compare to that. But if you've been coming to legacy, you know that we are privileged to abide with that God we are privileged to be able to share in His glory and just receive His light. Am I right? We get to be a part of this story. God does not need you for righteousness, but He chose you to partake in it. He doesn't need you for anything, but He chose you for a purpose. And so when we're looking today, and we're gonna be looking at this light of ours, God, light, love. I want us to look at who are we in this conversation? What role do we play? What role could we possibly play with the almighty creator of the universe? Light, love. Well, I don't have three points for you. I have two points for you. And if you want to fill in a third one, go for it. Pastor Tony will love it. First point, though, that I want us to look at is we are designed and created to be light receptors. We are supposed to be a light receptor. Now, I also wanted to be like John. So I was like, how can I look at creation in describing us as a light receptor? Like, what is a light receptor? Now, there's a lot of science out there that goes into all the details of what a light receptor is. I got a little bored. My mind wandered a little bit. The easiest example I found is a plant, okay? We've all seen plants. Some of you are like my wife. You have houseplants everywhere in the house, okay? I don't think we need that much oxygen in our house, but we have them everywhere. They're all over. But plants need light to survive, A plant is a light receptor. It receives the sunlight and it uses that for its life on this earth. It said this on the web about plants. Now, I'll let you guys try to interpret it, okay? Plants utilize wavelength-specific photoreceptors to perceive and interpret incoming light signals to regulate their physiology and development plants need light to survive. Okay? That's all it says. I broke it down for you. Don't worry. I diagrammed the sentence. Plants need light to survive. And just like a plant cannot be separated from the sunlight if it wants to continue to live its life to the fullest, we need to be in the light of God in order to live our life to the fullest. You can take a plant, and you can take it inside your house, and you can put it in your closet. I have a plant right now in my office, which is downstairs in the basement. It's not looking too great right now. I had it in the sunlight. Then I forgot about it when I went on vacation. Came home. It's not looking too good. It's shriveled up. It's starting to fall apart. It needs light. It needs the sunlight for its development, for its growth, for its life. And I look at this, and I'm like, we also are created and designed with a purpose to be in proximity to our God. God is light, and we are made to abide in that light. We need a relationship with the living God in order to even have eternal life. If we look at John 3.16, it says that all who believe on him will have eternal life. This is the hope and the good news that we as believers have, that we have eternal life because of our relationship with a living Savior. And that's exciting, right? That's what we build this this whole church on. This is what we do as believers. But here's the thing, it doesn't just end there. It's not just that we were just given light and there we go, we're set, we have life and that's all that we need. I want us to look at the book of Galatians. This is Paul speaking here. Galatians chapter 5 and the verses are going to be 16 through 18. It says, "But I say, walk by the Spirit or abide with the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desire of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other." To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, if you abide in the Spirit, then you are not under the law. And the law is death. See, we were created to be in proximity to the Spirit. To be in proximity to our God. And the beautiful thing, we even talked about this on youth, is that we were designed before we were even born. Like we had a purpose before we even got here, and our purpose was to abide with the Father. One of the earliest pages of Genesis, you'll find that God creates Adam and Eve, and what does He do? He walks with them in the garden. He abides with them. He wants to be in proximity of them. They were designed to be a light receptor. The book of James in chapter four, verse eight says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. In 1 John, again, in chapter two, verse six, it says, whoever says he abides in the light ought to walk in the same way in which he was called. And so church, I'd always like to drive this point home. We were sinners. We are born into darkness. There is no hope for us outside of salvation with Jesus Christ. Like we need his light We need His Spirit to be within us. In order for us to have life and life abundantly, we need this relationship. But here's the thing. It's not just we're saved and that's it. It's not just, okay. we have eternal life. There we go. Check that box off. I'm good to go. It impacts our physiology. In order for a plant to grow, And to flourish and then to move and to spread, it needs to continually be in that light. And so as a church, are we, in the same way, called to constantly abide in the light? Are we constantly pursuing His light, asking Him to fill us with His light? And then are we allowing His light to just penetrate us to a point where now we are walking in His ways? We talked about the way of Jesus. And what if Jesus was serious? In church, we had been learning and studying the ways of Jesus so that it can permeate our lives and then we can resemble Christ in the world. Like, our design is not to just be saved. Our design is to commune and emulate the God that we serve. Like, we are designed with a purpose. It's beautiful that this is a free gift. I'm so happy that this is a free gift. But I have to remind us sometimes that it's also an opportunity for us to walk away. It's an opportunity for us to say, I've got this now, I'm saved, I don't have to abide in you anymore. And when we look in Matthew, in the book of Matthew, we can actually see the words of Jesus himself and he gives us a prayer that we can follow. He starts it saying, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I love this passage because Jesus is giving us an example that the bread of life, God's spirit, his light, is something that we need on a daily basis. We need his forgiveness on a daily basis. We need his grace on a daily basis. If we are going to be walking in this world full of darkness, how long can you walk in the darkness away from the light before you perish? How can you expect to be an impact in the darkness if you are not daily asking for his power? Daily asking him, fill me up. I shared this in the first service, but I have been praying all morning, God, please be with me today. Send your power. Fill me with your Holy Spirit because I do not even want to be on a stage if you're not there with me. But I feel like sometimes we do these things. We come to church and we're like, okay, God, I'm here. I'm in the place. Now fill me up. Fill me up. I've got to get back out there in the world this week. And I just need a touch from you. I need you to fill me up so I can make it through the rest of the week. And that's great and that's beautiful. But as we learned last year, or last year, last week, we have a heavenly father that wants to be with you daily. We have an Abba Father saying, just abide with me daily. Ask to be with me daily. And so I'm asking us today: are we challenging ourselves? daily. Are we waking up and saying, God, I need you because I'm about to go to this grocery store in the world. Fill me up as I go there shopping. Fill me up as I go drop my kid off at school. Fill me up as I drive to the workplace because I need you today. Like God, I don't know. I know you gave me enough spirit yesterday to get me through that day. Now I need you filling me up again to get to this day. Like every single day we need his spirit. And we were designed to receive it on a daily basis. Back in Genesis, it wasn't that God just planted them in the garden and said, okay, that's it. I'm leaving you there. You're good to go. I've saved you. I've created you. You've got a purpose. Name some animals. There you go. It says, every night in the cool of the evening, he walked with them. Every day. And so the challenge here, church, is are we inviting God's presence daily into our lives are you asking him to fill you up daily are you making time for him daily and i say this because i am also in that boat where life gets busy life kind of gets away from me and i'm like okay well didn't quite fit in my devotion today so i guess put it on their agenda tomorrow but are we making time and saying god i didn't open your word please illuminate your word to me right now. If you're in your word daily, then you have that to fall back to. If you're daily in the word, spending time with his words and and communing with God daily, when you get into a dark point, you have something to fall back on. You have something to lean on to get you through the next dark phase. And here's the beautiful thing is that we as a church are not just created to be light receptors. It doesn't just stop there. The beautiful thing is that we are also called to be light reflectors. Light reflectors. Now I was thinking about the lighthouses again and these lighthouses all had one thing in common. They all had a power source. They all had a flame. They had a candle. They had a light bulb. And so what happened is like, yes, there's hope. Yes, there's beauty. Yes, there's, there's light and there's life in that lighthouse. But as time went on, the people that were abiding with that light and living in that lighthouse decided that they needed to actually enhance the light. And they wanted to find ways to make that light more impactful in the world. And so I'm thinking about this example of this as a flashlight, right? Right? This flashlight has a power source. It's got the batteries. It's got the power source in there. It has a light on it. But what the designers of the flashlight did is they started to mold mirrors and prisms and started to create a way to enhance the flashlight. So it can shine even further into the darkness to where it wasn't before. And similarly, they did that with lighthouses. They started to create glass and prisms and and started to mold the glass and mirrors in ways that it could pierce even further and be more impactful in the world around it. It could pierce through the fog, through the darkness, shine further, save more lives, be more impactful. And in the same way, we are created to be a light reflector. We are designed with the purpose to house the Holy Spirit, to abide with God, to be filled with His power. And the longer that you abide with Him, the more that you're able to reflect Him, the more that you're able to take that light and shine it out into the world. Like I want us to understand that like, yes, we are light reflectors. Keep that in mind that we are reflectors. We are not sources. We do not create the light. There's so many times when we can go out in the world and we can go through the motions and we can say, oh, I love people. I give my money. I do all this. But if we don't have the light powering it, it's for nothing. If we look at Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says this in the verses uh, 2 through 3. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, And if I have all faith so I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I were to give away all my possessions and I gave my body in order to boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. See, Paul is pointing out the fact that yes, we are designed to reflect God's love. And the thing is, we can do all the right things, but if we're not plugged into that source, as Pastor Tony has said, if we don't actually have the power source within us and we're not being filled and we're not being receptive of that light, there is no way that we are ever going to make an impact on the world. This world needs some illumination. This world that we live in is in darkness. And we were designed to reflect God's glory. If God is light and God is love, then we are called to reflect light and love. We are designed to reflect His goodness. We are designed to reflect His mercy. We were designed to reflect His justice, His heart, His hope. That's what we were designed for. And this world is in darkness, as I said. See, the thing is about the ocean, it's calming. My daughter, every night, we put on a sound machine for her. And one of the, I'll be be honest, I have three sound machines for my daughter. I don't just have one. I'm like, if one goes out, there better be another one. I'm not waking up. (laughs) So I got three sound machines. But one of the sound machines that I put on for my daughter is the sound of the ocean. It's just waves going back and forth and back and forth. And the beautiful thing about the waves is that it's able to calm her. And it lulls her to sleep. But the thing about the waves of this world and the darkness of this world is it's doing the same thing to the people in it. These people are born into the ocean and then they're just being rocked. And then it's dark. And so it's super easy just to be rocked back and forth and back and forth. It's comfortable to go back and forth. It's relaxing to go back and forth. There's almost like a beauty about just being back and forth. And so this generation and these these people groups, if you look on TV, they are not embarrassed of being lost. They're not afraid of the waves. They're not scared of the dangers that lie ahead. In fact, they're proud of their darkness. They're proud to be in the midst of this. And what they don't understand, these people that are being rocked back and forth in the waves going to and from, is that there's a danger ahead of them. There's a cliff, there's rocks, and they're on their way to crash into this, into their destruction. Now, what these people need is a savior. We all need this savior because we've all been those people being rocked back and forth on our way and our trajectory towards destruction. And I want to remind us that we are not their savior. I think sometimes we can get so caught up in the moment of like, oh, we need to save these people, we need to help these people, that we forget that we are nothing. We are a reflector. If I hold up this flashlight, I can hold it out, and it will do nothing. It has all the pieces. It's able to reflect. It's got all the potential. But without the power of the light, there is no way that those people can see the destruction ahead of them. See, our role, church, is to reflect that Savior to them. Our role is to point them to His hope and His light. Our role is to shine the love of Christ upon them. Our role is to reflect a good, gracious, loving, hope-giving God and show them the light. And I look at these passages and I'm like, okay, we're supposed to reflect God. I get it. I mean, that's, that's what we do here, right? We come to church and we're like, okay, preacher, give me the word. Tell me what's good. Tell me all about God. Who is this God that I serve? And let me go be a shine. Let me go shine it out there. And I'm going to live my life for him. And I'm going to go and just reflect God's goodness and glory out there. And I love it. That's what we're designed for. But for some of us, including myself, that second part of that song, that nurture kind of comes up. The next verse of this little light of mine goes along with hide it under... Bushel, no? Okay. Do you guys know what a bushel is? That's what I thought. That's exactly what I thought. I don't know what a bushel is. I thought it was a weight measurement. Good thing Pastor Sophia told me it's a basket, which then I was thinking about, it also says hide it under a basket. No, doesn't it? I don't know. We're so confused. Don't hide the light is what it's saying though, right? Okay. We all get that. We're designed for greater. We are not supposed to hide the light of Christ. So how would we hide the light? The only way we can prevent doing something is if we know how to do something, right? I mean, if my daughter goes and touches the stove, hopefully she won't. She's only two feet tall. But I have to tell her that's wrong for her to know that it's wrong. I have to explain to her, this is hot. Don't touch that. So it didn't work for me. I burned my lip. When I was a little kid, I smelled cookies, went up there, burned my lip. And then I was proud, and I didn't want to tell my mom. So had a fat, swollen lip for a little while. Um, but if we need, as a church, we need to understand what it means to hide the light. Now, the first thing that comes to mind is don't sin. Seems pretty straightforward, right? If we want to be a reflector of God Our job is to not sin, is not to hide his light by walking in the darkness that surrounds us. I mean, that is what John was talking about. He said, you can't walk in the darkness and be in the light. You have to pick or choose. We can't just walk in the darkness and expect the Spirit to abide with us in the darkness. We have to make a choice. So, yes, you are 100% correct. Don't sin. You want to reflect Jesus? Don't sin. Okay? But there's also some almost slippery things. I'll call them that. Little things that can kind of slip into our church. And I say our church because I'm a member of this church, and it slips into my whole vocabulary. Okay? So if we were to look at James, the brother of John, we look in the book of James, chapter 3, verse 14. James says it this way. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. If you think that you can follow all of God's commandments and you're like, hey, I'm not sinning. I'm doing great. Just read the book of James and he'll shine a spotlight on what you've messed up. I'll tell you. Like you want to be offended? Read the book of James because he's pretty offensive, which is why I've really been in it lately. But the book of James, you know, he's letting you know. He says, it's not just about the sinning. Don't be jealous. Don't be selfish. Don't lie. These are things that like can slip into our vocabulary, slip right into our culture. And they're super prevalent even within the church today. Now, a lot of you are like, well, yeah, you're right. There are a lot of churches in this valley and they slip into this a lot. And I don't know why you're talking about to them. But I look around and I, like I said, I say myself in this passage. Let's break it down just a little bit further because God is truth, right? God is light. So he's gonna illuminate any wrong, any sin in our life, anything that's preventing us from reflecting him. So for example, let's say, You serve in Legacy Kids. Thank you, first of all, appreciate that. Legacy Kids needs more volunteers, so get signed up. I'm tooting her horn. So but let's say that you work in Legacy Kids and you give it your all. And our amazing, phenomenal, magnificent Ashley Hoover. This is where you guys give her a little round. There you go, Ashley Hoover. Our kids director, Ashley Hoover, comes up to you afterwards and says, hey, you did such a great job today. Thank you. And let's say your response to Ashley is, yeah, I know. (laughs) Duh, I'm glad you finally noticed. Like, I've really killed myself in there, and I did a great job. Like These these kids are hooligans, and I did a great job corralling them for the whole 45 minutes. Tony went long, he added a fourth point, and I was in here another 30 minutes, and I did great. (laughs) that's not right. That's you boasting about your own ability. Let's say, for example, you are up here and you're serving on the worship team. Let's say Kevin Stein is up here playing guitar. He's killing it, right? Right? There we go. Let's say Kevin's doing a great job. And you go up to Kevin after service like, Kevin, man, you did such a good job today. And Kevin was like, yeah, I know. Which if you know Kevin, that sounds like him, right? (laughs) no he's but let's say you go up to him and he's like yeah i know i i even added a whole you know rift that nobody even knew about you know i tried to like put eruption from van halen in there and nobody noticed like i don't know what you guys are noticing like i'm glad you finally paid attention i've been really doing great up there now that's him boasting about his own ability but And so clearly, like, we can all in this church, we look at that and we're like, well, yeah, that seems pretty obvious. I'm not going to brag on myself. And that's just because you guys are all super humble. I get it. I've been around you guys. You guys are humble. You're not bragging on yourself. It's not you. It's somebody else. I don't know who. But let's say that same scenario. You do a great job in Legacy Kids and Ashley comes up to you and says, hey, thank you so much. You did such a great job. And let's say your response goes like this no, I actually didn't. You don't need to give me that compliment. I, I didn't do very good. You know, one of the kids spilled water on themselves. The other one didn't eat their snack. The other one stole something. Don't, don't tell me anything. I didn't do a good job today. I, I don't deserve that. Just don't look at me. Let's say you go up to Kevin. You're like, Kevin, you did such a great job. And he's like, no, 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 no. I, I, I messed up. I, I didn't do a good job. You shouldn't look at me. You should probably look at somebody else. Like, don't, don't, don't look at me because I, I didn't do, I, I really could have done a lot better today. Maybe it's in your own workplace. You've been like really killing yourself, putting all this extra hours, all this time into it. And your boss comes up and says, hey, you did such a great job. And you're like, hey, I, no, 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 don't you shouldn't look at me. You'll look over here. This person did so much better. You start comparing yourself and putting yourself down lower than everybody else. And, and I only say this because I do the same thing where I'm like, don't, don't look at me. I'm gonna be humble. Look at this person. This person did such a good job. I'm just trying to be like them. And, and it wasn't, church, we're called to be light reflectors. We're not called to hide the light that God has put inside of you. So why are we so scared and so ashamed to enhance that light and show people what God has done through you? Why are we so uncomfortable with saying, hey, you know what? God be the glory. So if I look at those examples of, you know, somebody serving in kids and, and going up to, Ashley comes up to you and says, you did such a good job today. Thank you. Your response could be, Yeah, God has really used these kids to show me his hope for the future, and I am so thankful I get to be a part of it. Kevin, you did such a good job. He's like, God makes incredible music. I've dedicated a lot of time, so I'm just grateful that I get to share in his presence and praising and worshiping him together with you today. You did such a good job at work. Well, you know what? you know, my God gives me a great work ethic and I strive to do my best. So thank you for seeing his work ethic in me because I really tried to give it my all and honor him in what I did today. We need to just work on our vocabulary and and stop turning these examples of light shining and covering ourselves up. See, I look at this room and I'm like, we have 200 people in this church that were designed to reflect God. So why would we put our light under a cover? God designed you to shine. He is magnificent. He chose you to be a receptor of him and then reflect it out back to him. So why are we hiding his light when he designed you to reflect it? Like we were designed for this. Can you imagine if this church started actually reflecting, not being afraid of the light, not being afraid to draw attention to ourselves because it's not us, it's God in us. We go and throw this community event, and people are like, wow, Legacy Church is doing a great thing. You're like, no, God is doing such a great thing in this community, and he is using us to reach the community. He's using us to feed the nations. He's using us to go and plant churches. He's using us to baptize people. Thank God that he chose us to be a part of his vision and his plan. Paul says again in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 31 through 33, I encourage you to go read this. But he says, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offenses to the Jews or the Gentiles or the church of God. Pause. It's offensive when you tell somebody no when they give you a compliment. When somebody is being chosen by God to shine a light on you, They're using his glory to shine something on you and call something out of you, and you're like, nope. That's a spit in the face of God. Saying, I see that God used me to do something, but I won't give him credit for it. I'm just going to bury it. Paul goes on and says, I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I try to do what's best for others so that many may be saved. The big picture reflecting his light to save others. Then he ends it with this. You should imitate me because I imitate Christ. That's what we're called to do, to receive his light, to take that hope inside of us, to shine it back out to the world. We are called as a church, as a church to do this to reflect his love and mercy and justice and hope to our communities, to our families. So the challenge is, don't you dare cover up what he's doing in your life. Don't you dare try to cover up the love and the light that he's provided you when you could be the reason that somebody gets to see the Savior. You may be the only example of Jesus in somebody's life, but because you imitated him, they get led to him through you. This world needs that Savior. I was thinking about light and darkness. And so I was thinking about in my own life, my own examples with light and darkness. Now, some of you know my testimony and you know that I had a period of my life when I walked away from God and I was in a spiritual darkness. But I wanted to tell you a quick story about a time when Freshman Lane went and experienced Darkness. Okay? How many of you in the room have ever gone caving? Okay. How many of you got, I guess it's spelunking, caving, whatever. So there's a couple of you that are as crazy as I am, okay? Which is awesome. So when I was a freshman, my dad, me, my youth director, and a couple other guys, we decided that we were going to go caving with a guy that tricked us into it. Um, So we drove out to the middle of the desert in Idaho. Now, There's this particular part of the desert that is old, I don't know what you call them. It's lava. That's not lava anymore. It's all hard. Magma. Rocks. Whatever. It's desert. It's hot. It's July and August. I don't want to be out there. So we pull up and the guide shows up and he gives us a headgear, gives us like a hard hat. Puts a light on it. Gives us gloves. He's like, you're going to get dirty. We're going to be crawling around in these caves. And he leads us over to a hole in the ground, which is the cave. Now. The pretty cool thing is that this cave. Once you go down, even though it's 100 degrees outside and it's hot and miserable, once you go into the cave, it's full of life. There's water flowing in there. It's ice in there. It's 45 degrees cooler in there. And so there's a message to be taught in that part that there's all this life underneath the dead on top. Okay, but I'm not going that direction. Um, but. When you go into this cave, before we started to go, our guide starts to talk to us about what we should expect. He starts telling us about like, how we're supposed to crawl through this and how we're supposed to maneuver through it. And he starts to mention about a cave that is a small tube or tunnel. And when you go through this tunnel, there's only a few people that can actually fit through this tunnel. And once you get through it, on the other side, it opens up to this magnificent cavern, and there's like a waterfall, and there's all this beauty in there. And in my mind, I am like, I am going in there. That sounds awesome. It's exclusive. Only certain people can get in there. Only certain people can fit in there. Mind you, I'm a freshman, so I'm a little bit tiny compared to where I am now. I've stocked up a little bit. Um, But I didn't pay attention to what the guide was saying and how he had said, This was not going to be in this cave. This was some other cave. So in my mind, I've already tuned him out, and I'm like, I will get in that cave, and I'm going to be showing off to everybody that I can fit and I can do all this. But I didn't realize it wasn't going to be in the cave we were going into today. So we start hiking down through this cave. We see all the stalactites, stalagmites. Don't know exactly what those are, but I remember the words. So you walk in there, and it's dark, but we've got our headlamps, and you can see just what's in front of you. Wherever you're pointing the light, you can see. And so we stop to take a water break, and I notice up ahead the tube, the tunnel. And I was like, ooh, I found it. Like, they don't even see it. I'm going to beat them all to it. So I was like, I'm going to go off ahead a little bit. And they're like, whatever. So I start to go over this tunnel. And I start to get on my hands and knees because I have to kind of get down to fit in this tunnel. And so I start to crawl in there. And I remembered that he said that there's going to be a point when you can't actually fit your arms and knees and stuff like that. you got to kind of flatten yourself out. And you got to shove your arms out in front of you and kind of wiggle your way through to get through the cave. So I'm like, okay. I, this is the cave. This is exactly what it feels like the same cave. I'm about, I'm about to impress these guys. I'm going to go in here. So I stick my arms out, and I start to go into this. What it, it's a lava tube is what it is. So there is no gravel. It's just solid rock. I'm maneuvering my way through this, and I kind of have to like inchworm my way through a little bit. I didn't see a rock that was kind of stuck down, and so I smack my head up, And my light stops working. I realize that now my body is so pressed against the walls, there is no light in this tunnel. I can't see my hand right here in front of my face. And so I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure I have to keep pushing through in order to get to this opening. So let me keep wiggling my way through. And then I start to just feel a little nervousness. A little anxiety. The sweat starts to drip down my forehead. And then I'm starting to feel like the cave itself is closing in around me. I'm in full panic mode. I can feel every breath I take, the walls are literally tightening up around my chest. I Where I could bend my knees before, I can no longer bend my knees. I am completely stretched out in this tube in black, and I cannot move any further. Now, If I didn't mention it before, there is no backing out once you go forward. You have to completely go in in order to get yourself turned around to come back. So I am now at a standstill. I cannot move forward. I cannot move backwards. My legs are not able to budge. My arms are stuck straight out in front of me. I have no light. I am sweating profusely. And all I can think about is all the bats that must be in this cave ready to come at me. (laughs) The dreams that I have of finding treasure chests and gold in El Dorado inside Idaho caves disappeared, they're gone. I am now freaking out. I do not hear voices behind me either. Here's the nice thing. When you are completely wedged into a rock, it eliminates all sound behind you. So I cannot see anything. I cannot hear anything. And so very calmly... I scream to the top of my lungs, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. If there's a pirate, push me out of here. I don't care what it, just get me out of this tube. I am screaming, knowing for a fact nobody can hear me scream in this cave. I am petrified. I'm like, I am going to die in the middle of the desert, a hundred feet below it, and nobody will find me. I start to hear something moving behind me. And I'm like, I don't know what animal is in this cave. I am scared to death. Slowly, I hear what sounds like a voice. And it's the voice of my father. And he's like, hey, I see you. I hear you. It's going to be okay. I hear you. I see you. It's going to be okay. And he asked me, he's like, I need you to stop squirming. (laughs) Stop moving. You're making it worse. You keep wedging yourself further and further and you're almost out of reach. Stop moving. I've got you. I relaxed. And as I relaxed, he starts to grab my feet and slowly pull me out of the tunnel I was in. And it reminds me of how some of us have gotten ourselves so far from the light, and we feel hopeless and stuck and petrified. We're embarrassed because we knew there was light. Had we been paying closer attention, maybe we would not have been stuck. We had all the tools to make us get in and out. We had everything we needed. And we chose to turn our back on it to do our own thing. The other beautiful thing is as my dad starts to pull me out of that tunnel, the light from his headlamp starts to engulf me. His light shone completely around me. And as I'm being pulled out of that, I feel an overwhelming sense of peace flood over me. Also, the dopamine rush probably just stopped at that moment. (laughs) The band can start to come up here, but I'm reminded of how so many of us, we know that we're designed with a purpose. We know that we have a designer who loves and cares about us. We know that we have an Abba Father, as Pastor Tony said last week. We were created to abide in His light, to receive His light, and to reflect his light to the world. And yet there are some of us that move on away from the light and try to go about it at our own pace and doing our own thing. And so we get ourselves stuck in a rut, and we feel hopeless and helpless. But I'm here to remind you that you don't need to be the Savior because we've already got a Savior. We already have a father who's standing right there on the other side and all he's asking is for us to allow him in. He's just waiting. As we've talked about that, Jesus stands at the door and knocks, And in that case, I know there's some of us that it's a very calm thing. You come here on a Sunday and you're like, I feel alone, I feel dark. God, please rescue me. And then there's some of us that need to reach out and scream at the top of our lungs, God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. I don't even see your light anymore in me. Fill me again with your power. Fill me with that warmth. Fill me with that. And I will do what you need me to do. I will reflect your glory. I will be a light in this darkness. I will do whatever you ask of me, but please reach down and pull me out of this pit. Pull me out of the mess that I got myself in. I know I don't deserve grace, but thank you for it anyways. Church, we are called to be light receptors. We are called to be light reflectors. We are called to abide with the one who created light and pours out his love on us. Today, I want to close, and we're just going to play a little bit of music, but all I want us to do is just to abide in his presence. Church, we have set an atmosphere for his presence to abide with us. And if you have already been here, and you're like, I just, I just don't feel like I deserve to, to have that light in me. I don't feel like I deserve grace. You're right. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve to get out of the mess you're in. You deserve to continue to be lulled away in that wave and to crash against the shore. But thank you Jesus for your sacrifice and shining light on us, showing us that there's a hope, that there's a promise for a future. And thank you for the opportunity for us to play a role in impacting the world around us. So today, as we close this service, I'm going to ask that if you need to have that light relit in your spirit, if you need to feel this Holy Spirit, and you need to feel that power again, I want you to confidently and boldly ask God to fill you with that spirit. Confidently and boldly ask God, fill me up again. Fill me with a fresh anointing, a daily anointing, God. Fill me up in this space so that I can go out and reflect your glory to the world. If you're in the room and you've never given your heart to God, I don't want you to be afraid of the waves. I don't want you to be afraid of anything. I want you just to rest in his peace, knowing that he has a plan and a purpose for you. And his purpose is to give you life and life abundantly. And that is a free radical gift that every one of us can receive. So if you are in the room and you want to pray in your seats, go for it. If you want to pray at our prayer corner in the back, please do. There are people back there that want to pray with you. And maybe, maybe you're in the room and you're just like, I just haven't heard his voice for so long. Like, I know there's light. I just haven't, I just don't hear his voice anymore. Psalms 119 verse 105 says, the, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Meaning that his word, his his Bible, his holy word was placed here so that you can have a light and a lamp on your feet to help you get through the darkness. That light is made to shine on you and on other people. So Legacy, I want us to reflect on these words. I want us to take in his light and to reflect it to others. We're also going to encourage you that if you want to partake in communion in recognizing the sacrifice that our Savior did for you and to really put focus on what he did for an undeserving person like yourself, and yet there's still hope and there's beauty within his sacrifice, then I encourage you to get out of your seats and partake in communion as well. We're going to turn off the lights so it's just a little bit of a quieter atmosphere in here. But I encourage you open your word open the bible read his words partake in communion pray with one another pray alone whatever you need to do if you need to cry out desperately then do so then cry out desperately for the father that is just waiting to grab you by your ankles and pull you into safety and security because he is there he's ready he's never forsaken you and he will never forsake you church i thank you for being obedient God, I thank you so much for your sacrifice. I thank you for your light. Let us always remember you. Let us be walk out of here daily asking to be a receptor and daily looking for opportunities to be a reflector. We pray these things. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com. Or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.